Thank you, everyone, uh, and welcome to this session of Data Nova, where we're going to be talking about how you design a data mesh uh, using data-based data architecture. With that being said, I'd like to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Anthony Prasad Tevraj. I'm a senior partner solutions architect here at AWS. Uh, I used to be a big data engineer in my past uh, life within the company and was involved in building massive ETL and ELT pipelines. Uh, and in today's role, I currently work with partners such as Starburst to build uh, native database integrations with the product. I'd like to take a step back and you know start with what are the benefits of democratizing and sharing data, right? Since this is one of the topics that we actually want to dive deep into. Now, as organizations produce and store large or massive amounts of data, uh, you know, they need to find a place or a landing zone to actually store the data, as we call, fondly call it the data lake or the lake house, right? Uh, the data could also reside in a data warehouse as uh, customers have chosen to prefer to keep data within the database as well. Now, having access to a broader data set, what does that give decision makers, right? Now, as a decision maker, I would need to have access to all the data, irrespective of where it is. It could be on-prem, it could be in a relational database, it could be coming from IoT devices. I need to visualize all the data and derive my business insights out of that. And I'd also like to stress on something that uh, you know, Forbes recently released. Uh, you know, in a typical Fortune 1000 company, we're talking about uh, you know, an increase of at least $65 million in net income if we only made 10% of that data more accessible. That's the amount of data, that's the amount of value that we want to derive from our businesses as we move into this modern data architecture. Now let's talk about some of the common barriers, right? That are actually preventing businesses to derive data, uh, you know, useful data out of their existing, uh, you know, domains. Now, companies have always struggled to find a balance between a support model that ensures that producers and consumers maintain data sources. Now, if you have to share the responsibility, what happens is, the data producers and consumers will have to talk to each other every time there is a small change in the data source or there's a small change in the type of data. It could be as simple as changing one column in a massive data set. The consumer is not aware of it. They would have to reach out to the producer to actually identify what column is changed, right? The second most important barrier, I think, in my opinion, is that companies have always seen data as a platform. This takes me back to my days as being a data engineer when we would build data to be surfaced out of a platform so that consumers can actually consume the data. Now, as we move towards the future, I think companies have to realize that you have to consider data as a product, um, which ensures that you focus on how you're gonna use your data and not essentially thinking about where you wanna store the data, right? Now, back in the day, we would think about um, having to translate or massage data, as I like to call it, to ensure that data is structured in a certain format that your platform can actually process data. But today, irrespective of the fact your data could be structured, it could be semi-structured, it could be even unstructured, and we have the services and tools to actually address the gaps. Third most important thing that I feel is uh, a hindrance is 
uh, data governance, right? You have to ensure that uh, you have compliance across the organization. It could be multiple AWS accounts that you're dealing with, right? Now, when you share data across different AWS accounts, you have to ensure that there is a data governance and policy in place to maintain the data quality. The last but not the least, I feel that uh, as data engineers, we have to stress on ensuring data quality or DQ as we call it. Now, when you transfer data from one source to another source, you, there is a chance of loss of data through translation. Now it's important for the producer and consumer to understand that this data has to be checked and verified and validated before the end user actually consumes the data. Um, and I also like to quote another quote uh, in, in Forbes where uh, we've noticed that 99% of businesses actually wanna be a data-driven company today, right? But only 24% of them have actually been successful. And the reasons that I just mentioned are some of the barriers for uh, this data. The companies don't lack data. They actually struggle with transparency, right? Um, and information assets that are spread across the company. Now, here are some examples of things that we hear from our customers. I'm sure some of these resonate with you, right? Now, customers who are actually successful as data-driven organizations treat data as a product, like I re-emphasized in the previous slide. You have to be able to collaborate and actually share data across enterprises to derive a useful business impact. Now, also the key thing to note is not all governance strategies can be based off on a one size fits it all. Um, so we'll have to review and understand the business complexity to actually arrive at a governance strategy. Now let's talk at a high level. How do we go about solving some of the challenges that we just talked about, right? Now data mesh would be the solution in an ideal world, but we have to take a step back and understand, is it really essential for your company? Will the data mesh actually be the right solution for your company? So we'll have to take a step back and understand what is the ecosystem that you're currently in, right? Now in this approach, we'll have to understand uh, you know, the complex applications that your business deals with. We'll also have to understand what are the business units. Um, you know, we have to understand the regulatory and legal uh, enforcements on the data. Um, it could be the geography, right? You could have data centers residing in Europe. You could have data being moved from one continent to another continent. How do you govern data in that term? So there's a lot of things that you have to understand, right? Now, if your company is a very mature company, you have a decentralized business with a significant investment in data and your data is actually organized in silos, then you might be a good fit for a data mesh strategy. Um, let's say your company acquired a recent business, right? When you acquire heavy acquisitions, there is a chance of a heavy influx of data and you have to ensure that you actually translate or transform that data from the existing source of truth to how you want to structure your data in the new world, right? Um, we also find businesses who want to unlock innovation, right? Across diverse business units. It could be an AI ML use case, or it could be Amazon forecasting that could be used to actually forecast or predict costs over a period of time. They are a good use case for a data mesh strategy. And last but not the least, companies who actually need a decentralized governance 
but also want to ensure that data is transparent across multiple accounts will be a good fit for a data mesh strategy. Now let's talk a little bit more about a few key concepts that will help you understand what a data mesh really is. Now the first key concept that you have to understand, and I'm sure we've mentioned about this in the previous slides as well, companies have been thinking of their data as a platform, right? They haven't been thinking of them as a product. And this is the approach or the tendency that we tend to move towards and try to educate the persona involved in taking decisions for a company, right? Now, what is a data product, right? You may ask. A data product, simply put, is a broad and cohesive collection of related data, right? It could be in the analytics portfolio. It could be ML capabilities. Think of it as a customer 360 flywheel, as you can see in this diagram, right? Um, you're talking about multiple capabilities um, where you want to incorporate data from multiple sources and across multiple lines of businesses that could be disparate, right? It doesn't have to maintain uh, the same granularity of data, right? So simply put, the data product is intended to enable a very defined, well-understood, quantifiable business outcome. The second most important concept or core to the data mesh strategy is the idea of the lake house. Now, before we talk a little bit more about the lake house, it's important to understand what these data domains actually contribute to, right? Now, for simplicity's sake, think of uh, a data domain as a collection of related data, right? Now, I've touched upon this before, but also uh, we it's important to understand that data could be structured, right? It could be a transactional data source. It could be unstructured data, such as uh, data coming in from IoT devices. Uh, it could be a voice or a video data stream, or it could be clicks from advertising, right? Or it could be impressions. Um, it could be real-time streaming, right? So there's a ton of data sources that are out there. Right now, the foundation of this data domain is uh, what you might think of as uh, a requirement across these business units to synergize between various business units and understand how the data is structured. Right, it's important to not only understand what data goes into your data lake, but how it is structured to arrive at a business decision. Right now. The lake house is an architectural design that can actually provide this foundation, right? So it grows with the business needs. It addresses issues like scalability in the past. Now in the past, you would have to define your data source and actually store it in a database. But now in today's world with the advent and size of data that we're dealing with, we have to ensure that we build a system that is robust and scalable. Now that's what the lake house provides for you as a customer. Now we have to talk about the lake formation service because this is also the next advent or next step in our discussion about how you arrive at a data mesh solution or an architecture, right? Now the lake formation helps build a very secure data lake in the cloud, right? Now in the past, it would take months to actually do this, but today you can do this in a couple of days. It also ensures that you have asset transactions and time travel functionality as well. Um, and what does this mean? You get a consistent data view irrespective of where or what point in time you're looking at your data. It could be a snapshot from five years ago. 
It could be a snapshot from two months ago, or it could be a snapshot from today. How do you maintain data consistency? That's what Lake Formation does, right? Um, the other most important thing when I talked about the you know barriers in today's business is governance, right? So Lake Formation provides grained access control for data stored in S3, which is your data lake, right? Now it goes down to the bare minimum of being at the cell level, which means you can restrict access to sensitive information like PII data within the table without having to create multiple copies. Now in the past, uh, what I would do as a data engineer would be I would actually do a CITAS or create table as select star from a table and actually create another copy of the original table, right? And once I create the copy, I would grant read-only access to my user. But you don't have to do that anymore because with Lake Formation, you can specifically control the read-only access to a certain persona that you define in your policy, and you can control the access to update columns to another set of persona within a policy. And last but not the least, um, you know, data discoverability and accessibility has been one of the key factors in deciding a modern data architecture. Now, Lake Formation makes it a lot more easier to discover and share data with both internal and external users, right? So it's very important to understand that there's multiple persona involved in consuming data. Now, we've heard about all these concepts, right? We talked about data as a product. We talked about the lake house and we also talked about lake formation. So let's put all these concepts together. That is what a data mesh is, right? Now, identifying a data mesh is also about understanding what pattern that you choose to implement, right? In your enterprise. Now, organizing around one or more data domains to actually deliver an enterprise data product is how you would approach this the first way, right? The second most important aspect is you have to ensure that you support the producers and the consumers across these enterprises, right? With the federated layer actually controlling access across the mesh. Now to go a little further, right? The data mesh allows producers and consumers of data to actually easily communicate with one another, right? Now information from one another an enterprise has to be made available to be discovered and actually understood. Now, the responsibility of this data-driven uh, data governance layer that we are creating with the data mesh ensures that you reduce the need to actually transfer ownership when you actually move data from one organization to another. So at a high level, um, think of your data mesh as a collection of domain-specific lake houses, right? That actually unlock uh, your data products. It unlocks, uh, you know, federated governance. It also empowers a self-service data sharing catalog, right? Now, you must also note that the data mesh is not a centralized data store, but it is an enterprise view across a distributed complex data organization, right? Now, why build a data mesh with AWS, right? Um, companies are building the data mesh strategy on top of AWS infrastructure because AWS provides you with all the capabilities that we talked about. If you remember the flywheel that we talked about wherein we showed 
how you're talking about a customer 360 use case, we address all those use cases, right? Right from data wrangling, right from AIML, right from data translation or massaging as I like to call it, right? So it's important to understand all these lake houses have to communicate within each other. And this will re result in a reduction of operational costs, right? Because you're actually saving infrastructure. You're also increasing the ability to innovate faster because you're letting AWS worry about the heavy lifting. We're taking care of your backups. We're taking care of your DR scenario. We're taking care of your scalable costs. Let's say for example, in peak workloads, right? You're concerned about scaling up. We can also handle scaling down when you are not consuming those resources, right? It's like turning on and off the switch of a light bulb, right? So when you actually need resources, AWS will help address those workloads. And when you don't, you simply turn it off, right? Um, and this is some of the uh, you know, key advantages in looking at building uh, you know, complex, robust uh, platform within AWS. Now, I want to share a story about one of our customers that have actually used data sharing and lake formation uh, to improve the quality of a personalized experience uh, and, and actually uh, provide that end user experience to their customers, right? So, uh, JP Morgan Chase did build a data mesh strategy using lake formation. Now, they had over 450 petabytes of data, right? And they were residing in multiple data lakes. And all of these data lakes were in silos. There was no way to communicate within each other within the data domains, right? Now, they were looking to scale this whole approach even further. Now, with the current infrastructure, they were not able to do that. And hence, they actually preferred using AWS Lake Formation that to establish a foundation of the data mesh, right? Now, by doing so, they were able to implement a central governance policy. They enabled easy sharing of data products, and also they were able to have visibility into the end-to-end -end pipeline within the ecosystem. Thereby, legal, marketing, and product could all communicate seamlessly uh, through one another. Now, there are a ton of resources that are publicly available, such as this use case and case studies that I'm happy to share with you guys at the end of the session. Uh, and I'll be able to take questions based on your inputs. With that being said, that comes to the end of our session. Thank you so much, everyone, for patiently you know, being with us today.